Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we examine pop culture in films, television, and books across the ages. As always, we are your hosts, Lindsay and Scott. If you're interested in finding out what we've already covered or what we've got coming up in the future weeks, be sure to leave us a follow on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline. Check us out on Twitter at Behind Timeline and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Additionally, links to our Patreon and our official website can be found in the episode descriptions if you would like to support the podcast. And now, on with the show. Um, because she's cleaning. Anyway, whatever. Never mind. I'll tell okay. you afterwards. Um, hi everybody. Welcome back. Um, it's just me today. Um, well, not just me, but Lindsay is in um her own version of Saturday morning detention, which is my hilarious segue into the movie we're covering today because I'm so goddamn funny. Um. But yeah, today we're doing Breakfast Club. Uh, we've actually finally made it out of 1984, but fuck my life. It's 1985, and I think we have like five movies in 1985. So I'm literally just dubbing season two the season of the 80s, because that's what this feels like. Um, but with me today, I am so freaking excited. I actually got my mom and Aunt Jamie in the same room. It's notorious that they are bitter rivals. <laughs> and I no, um, but thank you both for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you guys are here. My absolutely, my pleasure to be here. Yeah, um, I actually was when I was deciding like if I was going to invite anybody on. I don't think I've ever actually talked about the Breakfast Club ever with you and Jamie. Like we talked about like the Muppets and Godzilla and shit when I was growing up, but I don't think I ever talked about this movie with you. Not talked about the movie, but say the quotes all the time. Oh uh, yeah, we definitely quote this all the time. Um, oh yeah, it's yeah. probably one of my biggest quotable movies. Yeah, it is easily one of the most quotable movies I think I've ever seen. I, there, I don't think there's like a single scene that there isn't like a perfect gem from this. But yeah, we are talking about the Breakfast Club, um, which honestly I believe is one of, if not the greatest coming of age stories ever put to film. Uh, it was written and directed by the legendary John Hughes himself. This film assembled an all-star cast of some of the best in the team business at the time. It goes, or it ranges from Molly Ringwald, Emilio Estevez, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, and Anthony Michael Hall, who lead this pinnacle of high school comedy, towing Paul Gleason's Richard Vermin behind them to some of the funniest and most eye-opening high school shit I think I've ever seen. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, a brief albeit unjustifiably weak plot is that on an otherwise typical Saturday morning at Shermer high school, five completely different teens are locked in the library by their power tripping assistant principal and forced to break down both the walls and the stereotypes surrounding their various lifestyles and social statuses with a little hardship and a lot of laughs. They soon discover they're not so different after all. And just like I started last time, actually two episodes ago, um, I'm going to start letting you guys know like where you can, watch the episode or you can watch the the movie right now it actually kind of blows my mind that you can't watch this anywhere but peacock is the only place you can stream this if you don't want to pay for it on like amazon or verbal verbo whatever that is i didn't know that i didn't know that i i of course have the dvd well like, yeah like all good 80s people should have but um i didn't know the you, only dvds i have i didn't know you could couldn't get it on netflix or prime video no it's there yeah it just and it's just peacock so hmm. i thought that was kind of weird 
Um, but I'm going to jump right into historical context. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to ask a question first of the two of you, and I'm going to let Aunt Jamie answer first because I feel like I've had this discussion with you already, Mom. Um, this movie came out in 1985, which, if my math is correct, I believe, Mom, you were already out of high school, and Aunt Jamie, you were as well, or that was the year you graduated high school? I graduated in 84, so I was actually a freshman in college. This came out in the spring of 85. Yeah. And I was um, in my first year at U of A. And I remember very clearly watching this movie with a whole bunch of us in the campus theater. And I can, I mean, I can still visualize sitting in the front row with probably 10 of my friends and then going back to the the dorm in the common room afterwards and just talking about it because we all loved it. That's so awesome. And then mom, yeah, you were already graduated. Like, yeah, I, I graduated. Your dad and I graduated in '82, so we were '82 a little bit after it. But and it was actually three years after graduation, three years before you were born. <laughs> yes. So it was. I was kind of in the middle, but ironically, it was still it resonated so much with me. I mean, I was still of that age, really, and grew up in the you know high school in the early '80s. So it was it was definitely something I related to. So, yeah, that's it's 1985. um, And I'm going to give I hadn't done this last time because I was waiting for Aunt Jamie to join us. But um, Aunt Jamie is one of our top patrons from the Patreon. So I am going to give her the awesome honor of reading out the historical context of the other exciting shit that was happening in 1985. Why, thank you, Scott. You're welcome. So, in 1985, Live Aid concerts were taking place in both Philadelphia and London. They raised over $50 million for famine relief in Ethiopia. The London event featured a 21-minute appearance by none other than Queen, who set would go on to be voted the greatest live performance of all time by more than 60 journalists, artists, and musicians in 2005. Hold on, I want to stop that for a minute because isn't that like the main focal point of the Bohemian Rhapsody movie? Is their appearance at Live Aid? Well, at the, the end, end yeah, the end of the movie, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I absolutely remember that. I do remember watching that, but what I think is very interesting is that so my kids today, you know, how many years later, they know that they know that statistic. Yeah. I mean, Carson has even said something when we watched the movie and we listened to the, the music, he'll say something about that was one of the greatest all time ever live performances. So, yeah, it, yeah. it resonates. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think that movie really helped this generation understand a lot of that, that Bohemian Rhapsody. When that movie came out, it just it empowered it again for a whole nother generation of kids. Well, and what I think is really funny is they got popular and they like hit this repopular stride in 1985, but then Queen kind of like flattened out a little bit until another one of my favorite movies, Wayne's, uh, World. Wayne's World. Yeah. Made, made it popular again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, please continue. Angie. <laughs> um, okay. So additionally route 66 is removed from the United States highway system. Michael Jordan is named the NB. A's Rookie of the Year, and Nintendo releases the NES in North America. I can't believe like we're already at a point where Michael Jordan is showing up in my statistics. Like, 
we we moved so quickly through like i well it feels like we moved really quickly because we had like up modern movies and stuff in season one but we haven't had any so far yet except for the book of boba fett um but i think that's crazy that we're i don't understand the route 66 thing like why i don't get i thought it was like this famous highway why what i don't get that i think it was it was no longer a a highway yeah Yeah. the the full interstates i mean route route 66 is an old two-lane winding you know country road kind of a place and it got replaced by the interstate oh okay it was just faster to get from point a to point b to go to the interstate instead of taking the scenic route which was 66 and i think that's what they call wasn't that they call the blue highways down where it's the back roads it's the you know the scenic routes the small towns that sort of thing and people didn't have time for that anymore it just got to the point where and now which is funny because now people are kind of trying to get back to that you know, it's like, oh, let's go do the Route 66 thing, you know? Yeah, because I know you can still take it. Yeah, it still exists. But what they're saying is it was no longer part of the maintained U.S. highway system. Oh, now it's I got gotcha. country okay. back road kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. I got gotcha. you. Did you see the movie Cars? Yes, I did. There you um, go. <laughs> if, if Biggs is still in the room right now, um, he'll, he'll tell no, you all about it. He is not. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. This I'm really excited about, too, because uh, I finally get like every now and then it feels like every five or six movies we get to a mention of something that happened at the Oscars that I am so stoked about. And I love like every movie that it mentions in the Oscars. So the film that swept the Oscars in 1985, um, which is definitely something I have not gotten to say in a while, um, was another (laughs) another one of my really favorite movies. Thanks to my mom um, was Amadeus. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know this actually when I first, before I started doing this, I knew it had won stuff, but I didn't know it had like won as much as it did. Amadeus won eight of the 11 awards that it was nominated for, including best picture, best director and best actor. Yeah, that was a, that was a huge, huge hit back then. I remember that. I freaking love this movie. Going down a rabbit hole when the scene from Amadeus, well, not the scene, but when he laughs, ah, you know how he laughs oh, like yeah. that? That reminds me of you, Scott, because you do that all the time. Yes, I mm-hmm. do. Yeah. That's exactly where I think of when, you, yeah. when I hear you laugh like that. Yeah. Ah, I wonder if that's where he got it. <laughs> it probably is. Probably. Well, and that's okay. So to go even further in this rabbit hole, and speaking of quotes from earlier, I say when I have no idea what to say anymore, I literally just go, well, there, there it is. is. <laughs> yeah. I say that all the time. That yeah. shit is so funny. That is a good one. So with the breakfast, like, so there were no Academy nods for the Breakfast Club, but it did, however, win what is now a no longer existing MTV Movie Award. Um, In 2005, it won the Silver Bucket of Excellence, which is a nod to the greatness and nostalgia created by the awarded film. However, in 2016, the Breakfast Club was selected by the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. Uh, by the Library of Congress for its culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant role in cinema and was entered into AFI's top 100 greatest movies of all time. Well, that's that's happened to a lot of movies. A lot of yeah. there have been a lot of Oscar movies over the years that, you know, they were not big box office hits at the time they came out, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then eventually now they're in the top 100 of the greatest films. And it's because they seem to resonate from generation to generation like this movie does. It just, you know, it 
becomes timeless. It becomes a classic. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel. That's what I feel like happened with um, the artist oh, a couple don't, years don't ago. Start. I know. <laughs> I just it was not this like huge thing. I think it was just everybody's pulling on the nostalgia heartstrings of like oh talkies, and then they how they ruin the movie or whatever. Um, but what I also think was really weird about or like fascinating about 1985, um, obviously, Back to the Future was the number one grossing movie of the time. It made. Back to the Future made $388 million, while The Breakfast Club didn't even crack the top 10. It was 13th at just over $51 million, but it only cost $1.8 million to make. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what I think is similar to that? If I if I'm correct, I could be wrong. I think I think Animal House was that way. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, it was a hit, it was popular, but I don't think it was the what it is today. It took a long time for it to become that cult classic, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what happened to Animal House. And the only reason we didn't cover Animal House, I think, is that's, while I do love that movie, that is a very hard movie to translate today. That movie could not be made today. Well, I, it's I just, think. yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah, no. I, I think it, it is what it is and it's it should stay what it is, but it has gone through, you know. Yeah. Um the so instead of sequels, because obviously there is no sequel to this, and rightfully there shouldn't be, um, I do feel like it is worth mentioning that the film's cast falls under what the critics in the eighties would go on to refer to as the Brat Pack, which was a string of thirteen movies that spanned across 1983 to 1995 and would involve one of or several of the film's cast from this movie. However, it would also include Demi Moore, Rob Lowe, and Andrew McCarthy. And I swear to God, I know who Andrew McCarthy is, but I'm totally blanking on him. Okay. In St. Elmo's Fire, he was the writer. Oh, okay. All right. I knew it. Okay. Um, but that, well, okay, good. Thank you for the segue, mom. Um, the four most well-known <laughs> movies made by the Brat Pack were 1984's 16 Candles, 1985's The Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire, and 1986's Pretty in Pink. Yep. Yep. Those were, well, and I don't know, I would assume that most of the listeners know what the Brat Pack is kind of modeled after. The well, original... I would too. The original Rat Pack of Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., you know, that group. Yeah, which is ironic that they're the Frank Sinatra. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, (laughs) because I have you both here in my notes, we're actually going to start because I finally have parents on the show that I can discuss this with. Lindsay, this is for you because this comes up every freaking 80s movie that we do. I'm going to start at the bottom of my notes. Um,. Parents fucking suck in the eighties. <laughs> like they just, they fucking suck. And, and Jamie wasn't a parent in the eighties. So I get to ask her like this unabashed opinion of it. Mom, you were barely a parent in the eighties. Barely. Um, But I just like, like I, I literally think that Lindsay and I have confirmed on almost every film that we've covered in the eighties that parents during this period are the absolute worst example of adulthood. Well, you have to remember what the 80s were. It was, I mean, everybody was talking about, you know, how wealthy you are and how, what kind of car you're driving. Everybody's spending money. Everybody was, it was all about prosperity and everybody's doing so well and, and 
keeping up with the Joneses, don't you think, Jane? And it was kind of like parents were just, you know, out on vacations and boating and spending money. And at least that's what it seemed to me. And so, yeah, I don't think parenting was a top priority. No. <laughs> I'm sure there are people out there that would totally disagree, but that's just my memory of it. It, it was, was just a... T- Go ahead, Jane. No, it, it was before the generation of the where we went from the eighties parenting to the, every kid gets a trophy. Every kid is the, you know, to the overbearing helicopter, do everything for your child. Yeah. Right. And, and it, it was basically your children were like showpieces or they were things to display or to whatever. They weren't really. Right. They, they, they were your representation. Was, yeah. You weren't concerned about raising them into well-adjusted human beings they were like things and and then you went to the other extreme with i guess the parenting of the 90s and 2000s where it was again the feelings and the emotion not that that's a bad thing but yeah no emotion (laughs) well it was just it, it i think the pendulum went from you know, maybe the 70s and 80s where it was just, you know, those are kids, get out of the room, parents are going to talk over here and do your own thing. And kids had this freedom and this, you know, to live their lives and do whatever and play outside and whatever. And then all of a sudden it swung to the other side where it was, we got to be in your business all the time. We have to organize your, your kids' lives. We have to, you know, so it went from one end to the other. And I don't even know if it's swung back or not. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we could ask Daryl. We could ask Amanda <laughs> if she's home right now. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I well, so that actually creates like a really interesting dichotomy because now I have a I have a question for the two of you because mom, it's funny that you say that that was in the '90s or it was in the '80s because we did shit outside all the time in the '90s. We we didn't really have any rules. It was just don't bike to the freeway, which was at the end of Forty Third. Well, that's because I decided I wasn't going to conform to the parenting of the oh, 90s. Well, I was going okay. to stick with what I knew when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it was that come inside when the streetlights turn on shit. And then I was more. Yeah, I was just down the middle a little bit more than I think a lot of the parents ended up being. And I think it was just because they didn't know. I mean, you know, every generation parents are they're doing what they what they know, what they think, what they're read in, in the media and what they think is best. So, you know. Well, and so. you kind of were that transition when you were bringing up, you know, when Scott and Amanda were little, it was that all of a sudden now every birthday party had to have goodie bags and, oh, yeah. and you had, you know, it was, nothing was safe and everything was um, monitoring this because also that's when things like, cell phones and the internet all that started to develop so all, it, the world became scarier i guess and parents became much more overprotective mm-hmm. well and it became bigger it the world just yeah. opened up it became a bigger place for kids you know whereas before like you said scott going out and okay go play in your neighborhood in your block in your area and that was it well now it's okay get on the internet and you can go all around the world and all these places that are dangerous and whatever so i think you're right that's james that was a it was a transition period for sure but i kind of tried to hold on more to the well and we didn't know i mean i'm going to be honest i in the 90s i didn't know how dangerous the and i mean the kids the parents today you know they have so much more knowledge and 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 that and they're more aware well it was all new to us as parents i was learning how to use the computer as my kids were 
right yeah. no you weren't no you were not I, okay, so I still haven't learned how to yeah. use my <laughs> i've blasted through if that you shit. need Riker to come in and give you yeah, a left for hand. real <laughs> He did tell me that I need all I needed to do the other day because I didn't have internet in my car was to uh, open up a hotspot. Yeah, he, <laughs> he kept trying to get me to do that when we were at the service last Friday. I was like, dude, I'm not. I can't. That costs money, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. He just said it so matter of fact. Six and a half year old. Yeah, just get yeah. a hotspot, Grammy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think with that I I and you can tell me to fuck off, Aunt Jamie, but. Um, you, yes. I don't remember you being a hovering parent. No, I don't think I, well, you'd have to ask Alex or Carson. I don't think I'm a hovering parent. Um, I, I don't think so. I would I wasn't, you know, we weren't in the same place doing daily stuff, but I don't, I don't remember you. I don't remember having that feeling that you were. Yeah. I mean, I just, if they, because I looked at it kind of the way jody did with you guys is you know you're gonna get hurt you're gonna break something you're gonna cut something you're gonna whatever and it's fine you just you'll get over it because you can't right build a bubble around you guys right well and that's how our mom you know raised us you know and i i know parents that i had gone through with their kids at the same time i had kids that every time there was, you know, a sneeze or a cough or a, I have a slight oh headache my or my God. tummy hurts. It was slap them with Tylenol and load them up on, you know, this and, you know, and I'm like, yeah, no, not. no, it was unless you're <laughs> bleeding from your eyeballs. You have 102. You're going to go to school. Right. I never I I am saying this on record right now. I never got out of school. For be, no. I never tried to be sick. I yeah. never pretended to be. I never did that shit because I knew my mom would never believe no. me. Mm-mm. And that's, but that's kind of how we were raised too, you know, because Mama worked full time, and so we had to go to school. And it, I think your mom and I both passed that on to our kids in yeah. terms of you just—it's part of what you do. You just go to school. And the other thing I know, well, at least important. with my two, yeah, but I, with my two, um, you know, I'm not a hoverer, but I'm also like a realist. So it wasn't—it <laughs> yeah. wasn't you know, don't do drugs, don't smoke, don't drink. We talked about it, and I, I always shared with them well yeah, i tried this or i tried that this is why i don't think it's a good idea and because of that both boys are comfortable telling me you know hey i tried a gummy hey i i'm gonna drink it it, it if you hover and you make everything off limits they just want to do it more yeah no i agree absolutely i absolutely. don't i don't remember really having any kind of talk like that no, we didn't really. T- I mean, it was just kind of a non-issue because the people, you know, drinking. I feel like would have been the number, like the thing. But like when I was like eleven, ten or eleven, we went to cousin Jeremy's wedding. Like, dad was like, "Here, do you want to try that?" And it was a, it was a beer. And then mom let me try some of her champagne, and I was like, "This is disgusting." Yeah, yeah, I don't. It's and that's how we grew up, you know. You know, your dad, my dad, let me open the bottle of beer that he asked me to go get, and I took the first sip, and it was like, okay, whatever. Now, a lot of people would argue against that. I, I get it, but you know, I, I think what we just did is we just treated it right or wrong, and it worked for us. Nonchalant about it. We didn't not talk about it, but we didn't overly talk about it, being like, oh my god, this is bad. This is horrible. This is this this. It was just kind of like, do you have a question? Okay, here's the answer, and let's move on. 
And I think that's why, you know, we just took that approach. And of course, you know, other people in different situations have different conversations that they need to have, but well, worked for us. I think too, with, with your mom and I, is that at least with me and my kids, I always talked about growing up and, you know, things that aunt Jody and I did. So that, oh, yeah. that because when you become a parent, you don't stop becoming a human and you don't lose that history. So they, the kids needed to see that, you know, I'm a real person too. I like to have fun. I did things in the past and just make it so that you can always, you know, talk about it. There was, they, right. I, think, I think both kids would tell you that they, they knew there was never anything they could come to me and tell me that they needed to be afraid of that. Oh, that is not that, true for me. Well, I hope what? that my kids would say that because they've, you know, we've dealt with some stuff and it's like, they just knew it would always be okay. We could always talk to him about it. Well, and I think this is kind of interesting that we're doing this movie because in this movie, those kids didn't feel that way. Right. Their, their, their home life, they didn't, they weren't important. They didn't talk about it. Their parents didn't care what their feelings were and that sort of thing. And so I think that's why you have the connection that they all had in this movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what oh it's actually that's a really good setup for one of my fun facts mom i actually don't know if you know this or not um one of my fun facts is that the scene where they're all sharing how they ended up in detention you know towards the end of the movie Mm -hmm. um every single story that they tell is 100 percent ad-libbed john hughes wanted the kids to just wing it and feel out the like characters that they were portraying um so (laughs) Emilio Estevez's reaction to Anthony Michael Hall's story about the elephant exploding in his uh oh yeah his locker that's a real reaction when he tells him it was a flare gun and not a handgun Mm -hmm, that was really them like laughing their ass off because they were all just like this is this most insane story like I've ever (laughs) fucking heard yeah but I could see that that could happen I mean that it was you know conceivable for sure yeah um I'll get to the other part of that a little bit later because it's like the it's part of my rating, but yeah, but I like the way she for Ali Sheedy, she just she has this look on her face and she's like obviously she couldn't come up with something because she goes, uh, I just had no, I had nothing like, better I had to nothing do better to do exactly so and that <laughs> right and it was just funny the way she's like yeah I'm not even going to try and make something up that which is exactly good. Yeah. well and it fit her character perfectly I mean and that's one of the things I don't know where I, well I'll let you lead the conversation Scott about the movie but that was one of the notes I had put down was that I think all of them the casting was amazing and I think each one of them really portrayed that stereotype that they were given Mm -hmm. just in a really, really real way. And to me, I knew kids like that. I mean, that's why it resonated with me. It was like, Oh, I know that kid. We called them burners. I, you know, that kind of thing. They were geek. We, they were the nerd, you know? So it's, that's, that's, that's a really good way to like lead into my other point was this movie is centered around like the plot. The point of this movie is centered around like that click mentality I think like it's interesting that like that's as true. Maybe not so much today. Um, oh, I think so. I think that people think it's diverse, and I think that people are tolerant and accepting. But I still think high schools. I know that when you guys were in high school, it was you still had the clicks. It may they're different. They might be different clicks, but they're they're there. We had groups of. I don't know if I would have called it like a click because. Everybody in my group of friends did different shit. Like Ashley 
did uh, Spotlight, but Matt and I never went to like football games or like assemblies and shit. And then like I played Matt and I played guitar, but nobody else in our group like played guitar. We were just it was like it. I don't want it wasn't like. Oh, well, that's the group. Probably... That's where the jocks hang out, or like that's where all the like the stoners, stoners. are and shit. Right. Yeah, like that. High school was not like that for me. Well, it was a little more. I think the groups that you guys had, you had groups, and I think you were you had this kind of stereotypical stuff. You know, there was always the jock and that. Yeah. But I think your groups were more accepting of others than maybe yeah. the earlier generations. But there were still groups. Well, I see it and. In- maybe starting with when I was, uh, when my kids were in high school and stuff, but even today, just like gender identity, I think groups are more fluid because you have people who they are an athlete, but they are also, they get high. And I mean, and they are also really smart. So you're, the groups aren't so exclusive Defined. anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, they're, they're, you still have, I mean, you can still label them and define them, but they're much more, uh, overlapping than they yeah. used to be. And yeah. like, I know when I was in high school, like Jody, I had friends in all those groups. I mean, I probably was in several of those groups because I got, you know, I was smart, but yet I knew who people who were athletic. I knew people who got stoned and I just was part of all of them. It, they Aunt were a Jane, lot more accepted. Unbelievable. Yeah, but well, James, your but mom the, but was that... a bad influence on me. I'm just <laughs> I know. Well, but here's the thing. And I think, Scott, you were the same way I was in high school in this regard. And like you just said, Jamie, but, you know, I couldn't be friends with anybody. Yeah. I, I, I had friends all over school. You yeah. know, I, I wasn't the extreme. I wasn't friends with maybe the extreme people that were, you know, way out here or something like that. But generally speaking, I could be friends with the jock as easily as I could be friends with the stoner that I could be friends with the nerd. So that part didn't bother me. But I still think in this movie back then in the 80s that not many people did do a lot of crossing over and a perfect example is when claire says would you really say hi? i mean would i would oh, i that i wouldn't would say hello right. to you yeah but then yeah. we'd laugh right yeah i would say hi but then we turn i'd turn around and make a comment or whatever and i think that's that was very very true back then yeah. so you have the people like maybe us and i'm not saying we're <laughs> great or anything but that i you know i didn't really care <laughs> enough so you know, I could be friends with other people, but I think that that really tr- was true back then. There were still a lot of, well, you know, I think gu- because guilty then, by association. Yes, because back then you had to choose. You you couldn't. Okay, perfect example, and this is a completely different movie and a different generation. But think of the movie Grease. He had to oh, choose yeah. between being a greaser. Or an right. athlete, he, right. he couldn't be both. And now, it, and the eighties, the, the Breakfast Club, I think there was starting to be a little more blending. Right. But nowadays, you can be in five different groups at once, right. and they can change. And that's where the difference is. Well, and honestly, I think these all these John Hughes movies really advanced that. They really kind of started that motion of going into let's be more accepting. Everybody's got the same shit. Everybody's got problems with their parents, you know, and I think that really opened that up because it really went a lot of movies like that before. And you said that, Scott, that this was kind of like the, um, you know, set the the great coming of age kind of movie. And yeah, that's where it, it that, that like, time, Fast Times at well, Ridgemont yeah, High, times. that 
you know. But see, that's the other thing. Like, Fast Times does not have that, like, click mentality like this movie does. That one's just kids in high school going through life and sex and, like, rallies and pretending that the other school beat the shit out of your brother's car and stuff. Well, I think that's just uh, that's just a different kind of movie. That doesn't have the emotion in it. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just it's a different kind of movie. It's a fun, you know, Spicoli kind of movie. But I think that it's still that, that those movies and that time period, especially this one, really, I think, got people thinking and kids thinking, hey, uh, maybe that stoner over there that I never talked to before, you know, his parents are a shit to him too you know and there's a there was a common thread that people started finding i think it opened that up because parents in the 80s are terrible yeah exactly um i do have one question before i move on to the next one though i and i'm gonna make Aunt jamie do this first um i would love to know what both of you would say was the social group your kids were part of in this movie no 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 just in general like growing up in this movie, like, yeah, we'll we'll keep it a little bit simpler. Like, what what would you say the social group your kids were part of? Hmm. Well, uh, well, hold on, I, Jamie's going first. Oh, I'm sorry. Cool it, sorry. mom. Okay, go well, ahead. It depends very much on. I mean, are we talking high school only? Are yes, we talking just high school? school? No, 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 high just school? high school. Okay. High school. Your formative years. Um, for Alex, uh, it was the athlete. He was, you know, track, cross country, and the academics. Um, for Carson, you know, his high school years really sucked because you've got, we moved away. So he was living with friends and then he went back and he was only there for part time. So he did not have a good high school experience. Um, I don't know that he would identify with any particular group. I mean, he was on swim team for two years, Mm -hmm. but he and really both kids were i don't want to say loners but um they not actually the beat of their own drum yeah carson he wasn't in any group his his experience is very different and alex like i said i would have to say he was the athletic athletic academic i agree with that mom what is amanda well amanda you know she did softball but she wasn't a jock. She was smart. Amanda was social. Amanda was a social. <laughs> I wouldn't say she was a Claire at all, <laughs> but she was she was kind of a mixture of the academic because she did have good grades and she did do good schoolwork. But she was also part of the social. She liked the social part of it. Now she wasn't Miss Popularity. It wasn't like that. But she did like you know, she wasn't a loner. I did. I would not describe her as a loner. And she certainly wasn't a stoner. Now we're not you, saying you're not pretty man. I'm not saying you're not pretty. Now here's the other thing on, on you though, I would say pretty much the same. You're, you were definitely a social person with any age group. Like I remember taking you to school and you'd be waving to this guy and I'd be like, oh, my God, is he totally stoned? What? How do you know him? <laughs> you know, and then and you would it, and he's like, oh, it's just a guy I know. Like it was nothing to you to have those. You didn't have those groups. I would say you were um, and this may sound terrible. It will. Well, 
you were probably more of the stoner group without being stoned because yeah. you never did drugs, but you were that kind of, you know, happy go lucky, just kind of, you know, having fun, having a good, yeah, that, that kind of social part. Yeah, Cause you, you true. certainly, you know, you didn't do athletics, you did the skateboarding and stuff like that. And that that's true, but you weren't a jock for sure. And so no. I would say it's, you, you really didn't like Jamie said, you didn't kind of fit any of those specific molds. Now I've got people I know that I can tell, Oh yeah, they were definitely, you know, a princess. They were, they were this, they were this, they were a jock. They were, you know, but for you guys, it was kind of like a mesh. (laughs) And that's how I was. I think, or I feel like that's how I was. I mean, I did swimming too. I'm like Carson, James, I did swimming, but I was, I wouldn't consider myself a jock. Right. And I, did get stoned, but I wasn't a stoner. I didn't get stoned every day. <laughs> I mean, so I kind of was, I took a little bit and I Not was, like a, today. well, and I like to be with the popular people. So yeah, I was a little bit of Claire, but I was a little bit of ever, all of them. So, and maybe, maybe when you, when people actually really look at this movie, we'll all kind of realize we were all part, a little bit of everybody, you know? I think Maybe. yeah well yeah that's why I'm asking because that kind of is the point at the end of the movie is like you're not really that your clicks are kind of right. what's separating you it's not bringing right. you guys together right yeah that's true and I went to three different high schools I mean I went to Ohio high school I went to two high schools in Arizona so I had a real varying you know I got a lot of different experience in different high schools and they were it was all the same similar situation you know Actually, that reminds me. And Jamie, I don't know if I've ever told you this or not. Do you know my my dad went to high school with David Spade? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? I went to high school with him, too. You <laughs> you forget know. that I'm only two years younger than your parents. So we no, were I high know. It just it pisses mom off because we only ever say that dad went to yeah. high school with oh. David Spade. <laughs> I'm like, well, cause so did I. <laughs> I know. See, now you know how I feel, Jamie. It's the same thing. It's like, okay, I graduated with your dad. We were in the same class, same S's. We were in the S category. I mean... Spade, yeah. Stucker, Simer. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I just think that's freaking amazing. Speaking of funny, and we said this earlier, I think we said it when we weren't recording, but I honestly, I have to say this is easily, if not among like just people in general, but definitely within like my friend group and my family group, um, one of the most quotable movies of all time. Absolutely. I, I probably say something from this movie on a daily basis at work. Now, unfortunately, the people I work with, most of them, what? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> or they'll think about it for a second. Oh, wait, I heard that before. And it's like, oh, my gosh. So, uh, yes, I could live my life as quoting movies for sure. And other people don't. But and I think part of that is because the writing was so good. And it was so, the lines were clean, they were there, they weren't, there wasn't too many words in the dialogue. I mean, I just think it was really, really good writing. Well, and that, I'll use it, That I think that's what's so funny about it is, I think that this movie helps bridge a generational gap in some way. Like, I can quote this movie, I can, well, I would have to quote, like, really well-known parts of it, like... I could never say, like, I've seen you before, you know, and a random person would get that. But I could say, um, no, Claire's a fat girl's name. Yeah. I could really see, like, you pushing maximum density. I could say that and probably, yeah, and someone would probably get that. 
Well, or uh, the biggest one I think that anybody, I, I would think, I would hope, it, that has at least seen it would say, you mess with the horns, you'll get you the bull. you mess with the bull, you get the horns. You get, yeah, yeah, whatever, I can't Does remember. Does Barry Manilow know that you raised that, the horns? That was the other one. That was the yeah. other one, which I think is funny because I would bet you if you asked 20-year-olds right now, who Barry Manilow is, they'd they be like, know. I have no idea who Barry Manilow is. So I would imagine people, t- generations today, or even Carl, you know, Carson, that watch this movie, that see that, hear that line, they they don't get it. It goes right over them. Which, that's funny. <laughs> or I'll do that, like, I say it with Amanda all the time when I ask her what she made the kids for lunch or whatever, and she'll show me plates, milk, uh, soup. It's just, I think it's interesting, like, cause, and then Jamie said this earlier when her and I were testing her mic and she was going over the notes, like, I, maybe you can, mom, I don't know how many of them you've seen, but like, Matt and I can quote Anchorman and Superbad and like old school and shit, or like 40 year old virgin and stuff. Everyone's going to know what we're talking about. And I feel like this is another one of those movies where if you say the right thing, a kind of regardless of like your age someone's gonna like get the reference right like well obviously i work with it. people who don't get it yeah like i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna expect everybody like i have i definitely have movie quote tourettes like i definitely just like throw movie <laughs> oh, I, quotes yeah. in my everyday life i do too i do it at work all the time and people look at me like i am nuts but but here's the thing those movies you just listed i've only seen maybe once now i know the ron burgundy jokes i hear you know i hear different references to some of those movies and i have seen them but i don't know them like as well as i can quote breakfast club you know liar liar you know all those kind of movies the pen is blue exactly (laughs) how do you sleep at night god i can't wait to get to the 80s Lindsay. i'm right there with you oh my god (laughs) you mean the 90s or the 90s, yeah, sorry. And we we got to get out of the 80s. Holy I know. shit. Well, one of the things... Now, are there other questions that you want us to answer about this movie specifically? Well, so... I am actually curious because Aunt Jamie... Like, Aunt Jamie remembered seeing it at U of A and, like, Mom, uh, Mom obviously you guys, like, went and saw it in the theater and stuff, but... Yeah, we saw it in the when theater. When you guys saw this, were you, like, aware right away that this was going to be, like, no. a huge thing? No, I see. I disagree. I think so. We all walked out of there. First of all, it was funny, but it, I mean, there, it was emotional. It was sad when they were all together and it got really serious and really intense. You felt that emotion. Absolutely. Um, But it was, I, we all walked out like that was amazing. Well, I, no, I felt that way too. I didn't know it would be the classic it is today. I didn't go, Oh, people are going to be quoting and all this, but uh, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody was talking about it. I loved it. But like you said, Scott, look at all the movies that were out at the same time. Back to the Future. I mean, yeah. that was huge. They were making commercials and they were doing all kinds of stuff. And see, there's a difference. You said making commercials. Look how much Back to the Future was marketed and promoted and merchandised. You yeah. didn't have that with yeah. this movie. No. But yet it's all. just as successful. Absolutely. How? See, like, but... I don't know if that's, I get it. Like that's a fair argument, but how could you market this the same way you could market something like back to the future? I don't think people watched back to the future and thought this is going to be a cult classic instantly, but no, no, I don't think so. 
No, but it was it was so different at the time. It was something different that we nobody. I mean, there were no movies like that. I mean, it was such a great concept that it was new and exciting, and it yeah. was funny and it was hysterical. You know, I don't know about that, Joda. I would imagine there were movies. I mean, there had to have been movies, sci-fi we, movies. Two years before, before that, we just finished the Star Wars trilogy with. Re- yeah, I mean, Return so it it wasn't it wasn't new. Well, no, I mean going back. And maybe it's where it bridged the generations is, you know, you've got the people in the 50s, mom and Bob, you know, that grew up in the 50s that 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 movie related to. And then it also related to the 90s kids because it crossed over those two worlds is what I'm saying. That was a new concept to to cross over like that. And it really bridged, you know, it, it uh, what does I say? It's um, it appealed to. Those age, those different age groups. Yeah. Just two crowds. So, and I don't think that was done a lot. I mean, I don't remember it was either, you know, but it was, you know, it was a good, I think the eighties had the, some of the best movies. I really do. Just in general. I, I know that we shit on the eighties a lot and like the movies that we've covered and God help me, Lindsay and I on a, on a more critical note, we both fucking hated the rewatch of never ending story. I cannot tell you just how quickly i wanted that movie to end see and i can't i can't remember that much of that movie i know you guys watched it all the time but i just can't i can't i'd have to watch it again see but here's the thing like when we were growing up like we didn't obviously we didn't watch movies like this um not until i was like 11 or 12 that i actually see this i didn't see uh what is it fast times at richmond high or animal house until i was like 15 and i only well, saw it because that appropriately would... well yeah. i did have some rules and standards okay so it's the woman that showed me alien when i was like five and you'd let them watch south park when they were like six i was eight now he was eight i didn't know what south park was i had but... no idea i thought it was a cartoon it was <laughs> once we found out exactly what it was we limited that yeah for sure. okay except for fucking <laughs> she told me to go to my room and then her and dad just sat in the living room and watched the freaking well, movie it was, it was hilarious <laughs> but i didn't think it was i didn't know that's what it was <laughs> so there is there is another thing about this like being in like this this kind of this era of school were were there really teachers like vernon oh absolutely not not a lot i mean but there was always the arrogant asshole that just it was a god complex to be a teacher absolutely i didn't have very many of them that i I can only remember a few but they were and and i got to tell you the people like carl the janitor (laughs) your dad i mean (laughs) yeah that was i mean there were people like that that you that the kids students would get to know and knew them and kind of felt like they were on their side you know kind of like the staff again or you know like him against the the establishment the teachers or whatever but or the principal you're gonna laugh at me but working in the school district for 14 years um that was when i was in those type roles because i was in the classroom i would be behind the scenes when i was in when i was a lunch lady as aunt jody likes to make Uh (laughs) (laughs) um that's exactly the role that I was in. And I, I saw the same kids through the lunch line every day. I would connect with them. I would joke with them because I was a person that they could relate to. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't grading them on anything. I wasn't making them do anything. I was there to help them. And I, I looked at them as a person and got to know them individually, but yeah. Yeah. You were a safe person. You were a safe place. Yeah. 
And I always had one of those. Now, I've, uh, some uh, there were times in my in my high school years that I had a teacher that was that person. I remember having an art teacher once that was, I felt it was a safe place. I didn't feel, you know, that encouraged me supportive. And most of my teachers, I think, did a decent job. But absolutely, I, I can remember a couple of people that were, Andy had a calculus teacher that was just like him. He was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I should call dad right now and ask him about it. Yeah, so it was, it was, he was really tough. But now your dad would say, you know what? He taught me a lot. He, you know, whatever. But, and you have a different percep- pers- perspective when, you know, you're a grown up now and you look back on that, you know, it's like bosses, you know, I've had some real asshole bosses, but now I'm like, well, wow. Okay. I really learned how to do that by that person. And I can't relate. I've only, yeah. I've only had asshole bosses. I've never been like, wow, that guy was a fucking dick, but at least I learned this from him. No. Well, and I, Amanda, or sorry, Jamie, it was Miss, you, you know, are. my, the boss that we had in high school at the hotel taught, I mean, it made me do, she was just cracked the whip and it was in German and it was, she was yeah. from the mother country and it was, yeah. I mean, it was hard. It was hard and we didn't like her, but I tell you what, she taught me you know, work ethic and integrity and better do it right the first time or you're going to do it 12 times later. And so I look back now and of course, and I'm sure people that had teachers now, it, I think Vernon in this movie was just a God. Co- I mean, it was just, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, know. He was that definitely he had, on a power trip. He, yeah, yeah. He didn't have much redeeming qualities as far as wanting to empower his, his students. I think it was just all that way, but but yeah, there was. And, and you know, it's funny because I look at it, too. And like when he put him in the closet, I mean, can you imagine the lawsuits if you tried yeah. to do that Oh, today? I know. <laughs> Actually, another fun fact, because you brought that up, Mom. Um, Judd Apatow really did not know that he was going to fake the punch. He thought he really was going to hit him. Oh, Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson, sorry. Um, yeah, he had no idea. He thought that was – he did not know that that was coming. There was. I can, I can a, believe it. It was a good – I mean, he looked, he, like I said, I think all the kids and characters really did a good job and looking through those files in the basement like that. I mean, the, oh, yeah. you know, it's just funny when you kind of, par- kind of pick it apart a little bit about if you were doing it today or if that was to like, oh yeah, that would never fly. Oh, well, yeah, his, <laughs> his comment, and this is a sad commentary on current whatever but his comment about like i make thirty one thousand dollars a year and i have a home and i'm like no one could fucking do that today right like you can't well like you were saying not only you you wouldn't lock them in a closet but they wouldn't be left alone all day if you were there would be someone in there there you could not leave them alone i mean that's that's part of it right now right well do they even that's the thing do they even do saturday detention that's why amanda missed prom well, I knew that there were detentions, but I always thought it was after school. We did after school. I don't know if they still do Saturdays, but we definitely did detention. And side note, when the janitor comes in and they're like, hey, do you know your dad worked here? So, like I said, I worked in the school district for all those years at the front desk and the cafeteria, wherever. One kid loved that I worked there. Every time, hi, mom, you know, couldn't wait. Everyone, yeah. he wanted to know that the other kid wouldn't even look at me or acknowledge me. <laughs> you guess which is which. I don't even have to ask. I know. I know exactly which one. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, I can imagine that that's, uh, that's a little different. I mean, I remember just being a parent in helping in the classrooms and in the earlier years and, the, you know, 
oh, my mom's here. Oh, mom, are you coming to our, are you going to be a chaperone on our field trip? Yeah. And then it was like, oh my God, mom, do you have to be a class mom again? No, that was, that was when we got to high school and we made the mistake of introducing mom to like Lil Wayne and fucking Pitbull and shit. And she would just be blasting like <laughs> apple bottom jeans and shit when we pulled it. When she dropped us off for high school. Thank God when I got my license and mom was like, just take the car and drive your sister to school. Like, yeah. oh my God, it was so much better then. <laughs> That was, yeah, that was nonsense. I was never embarrassed by my parents. I was never like, my mom never did that whole like, Scott, oh my God, over here. Would you pick me up from school? Because she didn't pick me up from school. I had to fucking walk home. No, I would not do that. I would not embarrass my kids like that. (laughs) Or at least I would never do it on purpose. Right. Okay. (laughs) No, I just, well, and it's funny about that. Because like normally at the end of each episode, we do like a personal rating and then like a villain rating. I don't think I can do a villain rating on this because the like if you watch it, he doesn't seem like I mean, yeah, he's an asshole, but he also just seems like a teacher who's tired of Bender's shit. And well, is I, like, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. And and if we're if that's where we're going with this now with the villain, I honestly I gave this a lot of thought because I think the villain in this movie is just society Mm -hmm. the way society was with doing the stereotypes and putting people in groups and just the way it was because you know the parents you know the parents the few moments we saw them on screen you know they seemed like a-holes too like they didn't care and they weren't but but that's just that's I think that's how it was back then that's how you know that's just they're doing their best they think they're doing their best for their their kids i'm oh except for bender i well, mean except for ben and well they, and allison yeah but you don't really care. know how much i mean they just they she doesn't really talk too much you really just kind of get the fact the you know that she's just ignored it's not like i, I well that's bender thing, had like, some real physical stuff well going yeah on. he has the cigar burn and like the spill in the paint in the garage and shit but like i have spent honestly i have spent hours trying to imagine what allison's home life is actually like because if she says they ignore her that I can't really wrap my head around what that means because they at least drive her well, to at, school on Saturday right, when they right. know she doesn't have detention. So how much well, don't but they she, care? That they don't know that she doesn't have detention. Maybe they don't. I mean, well, I, I guess. And, I, and that's the thing. They don't, the parents really aren't a very integral part of this. I mean, they're a, they're a component of it, but they're really not. It's more about the kids finding that they are, you know, not alone and that they do have, you know, yeah. kids in other groups that are going through similar stuff, you know, that they are and, and really kind of coming into, we don't give a shit what you think about us. We're who we are. And yeah, you know, you're going to, we can't change your minds anyway. And that's basically what his, his letter says that, you know, Brian's letter says at the end of the movie. So, okay. Re- refresh my memory because now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember why Claire was there. Uh, she skipped class to go shopping. To go shopping. To go shopping. Okay, that's yeah. right. Her dad says it at the very beginning. Um, which I'll never. Oh my god, I will K- never. Skipping forget. school to go shopping is with your friends is nothing to be ashamed of. Getting uh, caught is or something. Or I can't. I can't remember the consequences that or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> but I will never forget. This was at the height of Dad's BMW craze. Why was what we were watching it with him, and he's like, "You see that car right there? That's the car I've got in the in the garage right now." I'm like, "Shut the fuck up!" Oh, God. God, God damn it! But also, funny, funnily enough, um, 
that that's really Anthony Michael Hall's mom and his sister. The 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 people that drop him off in the beginning. That's funny. That's his that's yeah, that, and that's why he actually has like a legitimate like reaction to her when she's like, "Well, Mister, you find a way to study. We're not yeah. supposed to study. We're just supposed to sit there." And, be and then the sister goes, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and now that was totally true. That that's what made that real too, because yeah. that totally would happen. That is exactly something my mother would have said. Well, you better find a way to study. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's I think that's the realism, and this is like the thing I'm going to take us out on um, is this movie is believable. Like the way, the way Bender comes in and is just like nonchalant about everything. Like Brian is actually socially awkward, but he tries to include himself. And Allison's just that, like everybody had that, like, Oh, she's just that weird girl in school or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think it shows that like, if you think something is funny, like it's going to not matter. So like when Carl comes in and he's like, Hey Brian, your dad work here. Like, even Claire and Andrew laugh about it. Right. So, right. like, they're like, dude, we fucking hate this Bender guy, but that was funny as hell. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, the only thing, in the, the, the one part in the movie that I thought, eh, could have been left out, and I think you talked about it, Scott, was the when they were getting high and then he broke all oh the glass. Oh, my God. And- so, yeah, that's, that's actually one of my other fun facts um, from earlier is, um, oh, shit, where did I put it? It's later on, but he's, oh yeah. So both John Hughes and Emilio Estevez were like the most awkward and completely out of place scene in this entire movie was when he just goes back into the reading room or the yeah. audio room and right. screams in the glass shatters. Cause like it never gets addressed. Nobody reacts to it. And it's just so out of left field. Yeah. That, that was an odd, I mean, insignificant kind of thing, but it was just kind of an odd thing to put in there. Yeah. And I can tell you those schools are, they all look the same back in so, back East, back yeah. East in Ohio and all that. Now in Arizona, no, not so much. They didn't, or we didn't even have an indoor like that we, we, to go to classrooms. We, our classrooms were, you had to go outside to get to our classrooms. Oh, that's how, yeah. That's how high school was for me. Like we didn't, East we Lake, like, yeah. Yeah. We just had outside, like we had the map or whatever, but yeah, but they okay. all look the same back East like that. I'm going to say something and it's, we're going to go like totally deep here. <laughs> uh Oh, but I, it just came to me, but you talked about, you know, when he goes in and he screams and the glass shatters symbolism for they shattered the stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I mean, cause that's, that's kind of like, maybe that's it. it. Yeah. Like, maybe that's what we should, we should think about that. They really did shatter him. I mean, because I like that. I actually never put that together like that. Yeah, I really good like job, that. Jane. You're such an academic. Yeah, you are. <laughs> answer the question, Claire. Well, if you just answer the question. You know, uh, I said that to my boss one day because what it was, and I'm just, I just need an answer from something. Just answer the question, Claire. And he looked at me like I had two heads. He did not know what I was talking about. I, I told you that's what I get all the time. I get that all the time at work. It yeah. was very disappointing. I yeah, think I said that it was younger than me. Well, I said it in the kitchen one time when I went to get our employee meal lunch, and I was like, "Oh, good! All the food groups are represented here. <laughs> all the food groups are represented." <laughs> and again, nobody went right over everyone's head. And what's so funny is they don't think it's funny. They think I'm seriously saying that, and I'm like, "No, I would never really say that. Yeah, no one would ever do that. What the hell?" <laughs> I mean, well, we do that all the time. Like that's Amanda and I can quote any movie like we can quote liar liar or ace ventura all the time and like 
Oh yeah, well, you Christmas guys are gonna vacation. get it. Christmas vacation, like Tad and I can just do the over under thing with the ladder hand, the, yeah. the hand of the ladder, and we both know exactly what we're talking about. Well, and I think that is it says a lot about the movie, of course. It also says a lot about you know you you have to have a passion, and clearly you're doing this podcast because you have a passion for movies and people that have you know enjoy that. Now Amanda can quote things, but you know that's not her movies just aren't her big passion. There are some that she you know has loves and has watched and seen and all that, but you know the passion of of just like I have a friend she won't she's like well I've already seen that. I go, wouldn't you watch it again? Oh, no, I've already seen it. Why would I watch it again? I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've that's, seen movies a hundred times. Yeah, that's weird to me. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand that. I mean, literally, there is a movie, if if it's on, well, a couple of weeks ago, flipping through the channels, Die Hard was on. Hell, yeah. I mean, how can you not? It doesn't matter where it is in the movie. First of all, you know exactly where it is. Absolutely. First scene, you you can just see that you can hear one syllable of the set of the dialogue. That, that's that's so and so. And I was in just a couple of weeks ago. I was in a um, after a, a meeting. I went and we walked in. The movie was on, and literally was like probably the last twenty minutes of the movie, and it was the movie Aliens. Yeah, the first one, but the second one. Get and away from her, you bitch! Exactly. But I knew. But within. 10 seconds of seeing it you knew exactly where you're at well of course you're going to watch it and, and people don't do that i don't understand now like i can tell you one movie that well i can tell you a million movies but the one movie that i don't even care that and this is actually from your generation scott is clueless or bring it on oh yeah oh my those God, two movies i don't care on. where it is in the movie i it stops right there and i will watch that and i can you know but there are people out there that just, that just don't no, well, now well, wait how, a minute. That's how Matt and I are. Like, well, and Aunt Jamie's like that too. She'll watch the the Marvel movies. Like, I'll come oh, in over on those and over at, and over. Yeah, yeah, I'll come in on those at any time, and I'll just sit there and watch it. Yep. But now I have to give you a little dig, James, because only because I don't as, watch enough movies. As much of the as much of a movie person as you are, and you are right there with me and Scott. There are movies that I would say that you haven't seen that I know. are I appalling. You, I told you. <laughs> would, yeah, we were talking about this. Give me movie. this grief. Yeah. I I just and yeah. I mean, there are movies like Schindler's List. I I saw believe. it. I finally saw it. Okay. Well, that was one of them. Okay. <laughs> but there are several movies I think we've talked about where I'm like I I I don't know how you miss not seeing that. Because I mean, for the most part, the movies that you're talking about that you're like, I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's because they're depressing. They're yeah, like serious. when mom brings up the witch and shit. And I'm just like, why? Well, I don't well, want to watch them. I mean, I, I know I, they're good. I get it. I get it. Well, and didn't you say you ha haven't you seen uh, uh, Ryan's Saving Private Saving Ryan. Private Ryan. God, I couldn't even think of it for a second. No, Saving I haven't seen that. See now, I don't know how you that. That one, that, I actually am kind of with mom on this one. Like that. That's I understand. Just a, an amazing I, movie. I know, and I understand. But here, here's the thing. Okay, and this is what this, in my defense, <laughs> when it came out, you know, I'm sure it was a kind of movie that I'm not going to take the kids to because they were little. I, you no. know, I didn't. It wasn't easy to go to a movie. Um, you didn't have the same kind of streaming and opportunities to watch them. So I didn't see it then. Well, now, yeah, it may have been on TV a thousand times between now and then, but it's edited. 
and I don't come in at the beginning. And if it's a movie that I haven't seen, that's fair. I will not watch it unless I see it from the very beginning. Yeah. I may have only missed 15 minutes of it, but nope, I'm sorry. I don't want to I, I And I'm right there with you. I get that. If you haven't seen it, I won't do that either. But and now they're too hard to find to, to watch. You can't go to Blockbuster anymore and just get a movie. <laughs> well, that's Yeah, but there's, well, like you said, this movie, you can't, like, a perfect example. I don't know where you can see Saving Private Ryan, although they play it on TV every other week. But again, I, and it's just, it's just, there are certain movies I absolutely, as much as I love The Godfather, or Goodfellas. I will not watch those movies when they're edited. Right. I just won't do it. It takes away from the entire experience of the movie. It doesn't, you know, or Birdcage, the Birdcage. Oh my God, I can watch that movie a million times, but I won't watch it if it's edited and, you know, all that stuff. So I get that. So it's just too hard to go back and watch. There are so many. And yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, but, but actually there really aren't. I mean, but there are several that it's too hard to go back and watch them now. It's it's and to keep yeah. up with current ones. So no, and that's fine. And honestly, mom, you're the to foil that. There are times where you'll say you've seen a movie that I am just fucking floored that you saw it. Like when you said that you thought that Deadpool was hilarious, I could not believe you even watched that movie. Oh, I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was a great movie. I but I love Ryan Reynolds. So. Oh yeah, yeah. And I thought it was, I, but that's again, that's a movie I refuse to watch edited. I will not watch it. Same edited. with Zombieland. Oh my God. I love that movie. And, and yeah. Double Tap, the same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot. Well, there's a lot of movies out there that, you know, you can't find. And I, I, well, you know, I'm a classic, you know, that's what you ought to do, Scott. Do a podcast on the the 40s and 30s, 40s no. and 50s. We would get one viewer and it'd be you. I, it would be me. <laughs> That's rude. But those are classic <laughs> movies. They really are. They are just, they just, they don't make them like that. And I know that that sounds so old fashioned, but well, they no, can't I mean, make them like that. But you that's can't. the thing, Jody. Yeah. You can't because you, you're the smoking and the, the and you know, the, the massage. You talk about a massage, I can't say it, the misogynistic. Uh, viewpoints stuff, yeah, yeah you can't you can't get away with movies like that anymore which is why you watch tcm and oh they talk God. about this it's called reframing and they did perfect example is gone with the wind because of course it has been controversial for right. however many years now and they talk about on tcm we are not going to stop showing that movie we are that now going to talk about why it what, was wrong and why yeah. what the we're now going to have a, a conversation about that but to and they they said a perfect example is to take that movie off of our our you know curriculum or whatever is to dismiss the the oscar that hattie mcdaniels got yeah. you know it's to dismiss right. the work that was done on that movie that is you know Right, just a classic. So you can't just remove them. Well, so Disney Plus does that when. So if you start movies, and Lindsay and I will talk about it all the time. If we're covering a Disney movie, um, we have a section in our notes specifically for Disney warning. Um, so you'll have movies like uh, Dumbo or Pocahontas or Peter Pan was a really bad one. Right. Um, where before the movie even starts, a gray screen will come up and say this movie depicts socially or racially uh, unacceptable things. They were wrong yeah. then and they're wrong now, but we think it's important to keep them in there to show where we were and how much we've grown and to start the conversation about how we can be better. And I yeah. think that's what's most important about it. But no, there's no – I. And that's a really good way that T- – and I say TCM, I mean Turner Classic Movies. Yes. And of course your audience probably isn't – 
you know, all up into that with those, but, but they do also for your enjoyment, Jamie, they also at every February and March do the 31 days of Oscars where they start running all the Oscar winners up to leading up to the Oscars yeah, at the end of March. I got to tell you. So the, she doesn't care. Well, no, 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 it's not that. It, no, no, it's not. It's that 90. Well, I don't know what percentage, but a large part of the Oscar winners to me aren't good movies. Yeah, they're boring. So the movies that I want to go back and see probably didn't even win an Oscar yeah. because well, the Oscar movies that did win like the movie Gravity Boring movie no, I've no, ever seen. I never even saw like, it. You couldn't pay me enough to go back and watch Kramer and Kramer if I wasn't getting graded for it. You mean Kramer yeah. versus Kramer? What did I say? Kramer that's, and Kramer. Actually, that's a oh. really good movie, Scott. I I'm know surprised. it's a really good movie, but yeah. it's like, so do you know how many times I watched the movie October Sky in high school? Yes, I do remember you watching that in high school. I love that movie, but I can't watch it now without feeling like holy shit i should write a paper about this <laughs> like it just it's well it's, it's like the artist for me you know uh, yeah. the, the movie the artist won best picture and i'm like i that is the one movie and i always come back to this one i know but it is the one movie that i literally almost walked out of the theater like i can't i can't sit through this entire sh- movie and i th- kind of felt the same way about shit. i kind of felt the same way about uh la la land I liked it, but I certainly didn't think it was best picture, but you know, that's why there's so many movies. That's there's that's to each his own and everybody's got a different, well, and you know, I'm not a big sci-fi guy. I'm not, that's not my thing. I'll watch them. I've seen alien. I've seen the star Wars. I mean, but that's not my genre. That sentence right (laughs) there is how I know you're not. I've seen the star Wars. (laughs) <laughs> that's like calling it barnes and nobles or the walmart no i was gonna say the star wars movies bullshit franchise or whatever right. you okay. call it no and you haven't jody you've seen like the first i know you've seen the no, original and true. the new ones you've seen um rogue well, one how many are there there's 11 <laughs> i've probably seen all 11 but i couldn't tell you no, that i've seen she definitely all hasn't seen solo or rogue one um ironically enough uh, to kind of almost bring us back on track, but sorry, <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, I don't know if either of you remember this, but the first person I saw episode two with was uncle Larry. It came really? out in 2002 and you guys were visiting over the summer and he and I went to go see it at like 10 o'clock at night at Regal cinemas. I so kind of remember that. Yeah. Sort of kind of remember that, but that's my little fun fact about life or whatever, but I'm going to finish this off with a couple other fun facts that I don't think anybody here knows. And then I'm going to get us into ratings and we're going to get out of here. Okay. Um, I did not know that the clothes that Judd Nelson wears throughout the film are what he auditioned for. Um, he also refused to break character during like in between scenes and would go so far as to bully Molly Ringwald so bad that John Hughes actually almost considered firing him. Wow. Yeah. Well, he certainly did stay in character. I mean, his it, it, it worked if that was his, well, yeah. method, was his method. It certainly is not method acting when you stay in character. Yeah, you stay you in character. character. Christian Bale does it all the time, apparently. Um, also, and <laughs> I just thought this was really funny because she is told to shut up. Ali Sheedy doesn't talk until almost 30 minutes into the movie. That's funny. And then yeah, the first that thing that's said back to her, she just goes, ha. Oh, yeah. And then Claire tells her to shut up. Shut up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just, She probably had the least amount of dialogue in the whole movie when they were doing did, the script. Yeah. <laughs> she probably just like sat there the whole time. 
Um, but then like, cause you were talking about the high school earlier. Um, yeah. So that was filmed at uh, Shermer, Illinois is a fake place. And it was used both in, uh, Ferris Bueller's day off. That school was the same school that breakfast club was filmed in. However, what most people don't know is that Matthew Broderick was originally considered for the role of Andrew Clark. If Emilio Estevez couldn't commit to it. But also, I thought this was so crazy. That's crazy. I see. That's when I hear things like that. It's like, well, I can't even imagine him being in that role. It's like when we talk like today, if we talk about like Tom Cruise was almost Tony Stark. No way. Oh, no way. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. (laughs) Uh, But ironically enough, if Emilio Estevez or Matthew Broderick could not do it, they were also considering Michael J. Fox, Jim Carrey and Tom Cruise to play Andrew Clark. No way. Well, maybe Tom Cruise at that age, at that age, I could see maybe him doing it because he did risky business. And, you know, I could see him being that that character, maybe Tom Cruise, but not the others. And now, of course, I can't see anybody except Emilio Estevez. Well, Well, what's funny, you say Jim Carrey and I'm like, wait a minute, Jim Carrey's always been an old man, not an old man, but he's always been like a 40 year old man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything at that age he started with in living color and they, like he was doing comedy at the improv and stuff in la and then he started on a show called in living color i remember the show vaguely but i just again like you jamie i did i don't remember him being a teenager or even yeah. early 20s even, even when he was in ace ventura he still looked like he was you know in his right 30s. yeah in his 30s so exactly. i can't imagine him being in that movie. although do we know how old those characters were when they like how old was Jell Nelson when he played that character he, he was playing what a 16 17 year they were kid? playing 17 year olds and if okay. I remember correctly Judd Nelson and Emilio Estevez were in their 20s Molly Ringwald and Michael Anthony Hall he Judd Nelson they were was 17. born in six Judd Nelson is 62 okay hold on I'm just I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but Judd yeah. Nelson was 25 when he 25. made that movie. Yeah, and Molly Ringwald was 17. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I believe Ali Sheedy was like 19 or 20. I can't remember. Um, but I'm going to take us out of here with your guys' personal ratings. What would you say on a scale of 1 to 10 you would give this movie? Well, she was. I'm not good at this. Um, no i'm not because i mean i loved it it's one of my favorites for so many reasons so if i mean you know i give it a a eight or nine if not a ten i mean i just i love it like i said for so many reasons so it's hard to give it anything lower than that yeah i i can't I, i guess what i look at is i can't find anything that's you know really a negative yeah i mean is it is it a deep oscar winner no is it you know gonna do if is it is it a saving private ryan of course not but on its own i would give it a 10 for what it is for the entertainment the culture like just like you said the reason that they put it in the library of congress you know it was culturally culturally significant it was right on the acting, the characters, the music in it, the song at the end. I mean, the you know, simple mind. All of it was just really well done. There, I don't think there. It, I can't sit there and go, gee, you know, you really had too much dialogue, or it, it ran over like 
20 minutes too long. There wasn't anything I can say. So I'd give it a 10. Yeah. Okay. Well, if, if you're doing it, yeah, I would give it a 10 too. If you're wanting to say, okay, was it Oscar material? No. Was it um, emotionally moving? You know, you have to, when you are saying a one out of 10, I guess I need subcategories. Like, <laughs> what am I rating? Like, if when you somebody, go, are you rating If somebody the food said, of- like, hey, this, uh, I like, what would you say this movie was on your personal opinion? Not like, Hey, this should be in the Oscars or so like, so like here, I'll give you mine. I gave it a 9.1 because I like you guys cannot find much at fault with this movie. The only reason that I don't give it a perfect 10 is because the glass shattering thing just right. felt so random and weird. That's, that's probably Although the only thing. that you have deeper. Well, I know. Oh, now that's I have true. Deeper, not, I kind of, <laughs> it's a 9.2 now. It's a 9.2. Yeah. No, right. so, yeah. So if I'm not looking at trying to grade for, you know, the subcategories of why it's a 10 and just for how me personally is, and I would definitely give it a 10 because yeah. like Jody was saying the music and, and the, everything that it brings back for me personally. Mm -hmm. What I think is interesting. And, you know, I, I'm not a critic by any means, but, and I do follow rotten tomatoes. I do. I I don't, it's not. Thanks for coming on mom. That was no, I'm just saying I, I, (laughs) I will look at that to see what the audience thinks, not so much the critics, because I do like to see what the audience and, and many, many times, and this is a, a little example of it. You know, they got 89% certified fresh from the critics, but they got 92% that the audience liked it. So there are many times where it isn't about the critics. It isn't about the directing and the cinematography and the, the screenplay and all that. It's, it is, did everybody really freaking like it and enjoy it? Yeah. <laughs> That's a 10. Yeah. But I, you and I, I can't even take that because your movies, what's a 10 for you? I'm sometimes like, yeah, I don't even well, know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, and, I'm the same way. Cause if you look agreed. at the, if you look at the rotten tomato score for the last Jedi, it is like the most polarized review of all time. Critics loved it. And I, and people hated it. It's, it's yeah, like the most a, up and down. There's a lot thing of movies ever. out there. There's a lot of movies where, uh, one of them. And I can't, I, I can't think of it now just the the critics it was a tank and it just was a total bomb i mean like 22 percent or something but it had like a 72 percent audience loved it and it became and it became one of those that everybody loves but it just uh, critically it was it sucked yeah that sounds like the witch and then there's just, just so many you know perceptions you know some people like you say some people like certain genres you know somebody yeah. could watch um national velvet you know with an old older movie you know somebody could watch that and go well it's okay and other people think it's co- complete and utter classic so okay so i'm gonna be super nerdy and i mamma would get this quote because she used to watch it with me all the time but uh in 1986's or night when is it 1980 threes superman with christopher reeve oh god um lex luthor <laughs> gene says hackman. gene hackman yeah gene hackman's lex luthor says some people can read war and peace and come away thinking it's a simple adventure story other people's uh, other people can read the ingredients on a chewing gum wrapper and unlock the secrets of the universe so <laughs> everything is a is all perception absolutely um, 
And I want to thank you both for coming on today and giving me your perception of the Breakfast Club. God, dude, I'm so fucking good at transitions. Like, I ah. just, <laughs> I, I should do this professionally. This is such you a. Should. I think I should do this professionally. Yes, I think we all should. <laughs> um, no, I definitely don't think I should, but Jody. I agree. <laughs> I agree that you, you actually. She should be a regular guest, Scott. She's actually quite good at this. Yes, ah, well, I Jamie, I thought you held your own too. You, you did, did, really yeah, you did really good. Well, and here's the thing. I think this is, and you know, people say this all the time, Scott. Do what you have a passion and love for, and yeah. it's going to work out. And that's this is what I have. Uh, movies are a passion, and same with she's Scott. opinionated, and she watches. She's movies. opinionated, that's and she's right. got hard hard feelings <laughs> on shit. That's right. I like to give my opinion, and I like to talk. What more could you ask for in a podcast person? (laughs) It's true. I mean, we're going to bring both of you on for, like, multiple stuff, obviously. Um, But for now, as always, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We hope you enjoyed yourselves and maybe even learned something like we learned about the glass shattering and, you know, Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Well, you're welcome, and it was my pleasure. I enjoy it thoroughly. It was fun. Yeah, I'm glad. Um Guys, make sure you join us next week where we're covering our first new movie of 2022. We'll be covering The Batman, which I am so excited for. My best friend Matt will be back to tell us all about why it was the greatest movie ever made, and he's not biased at all. Um, (laughs) Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as follow us on all of our social media, which you can find at the description of the episode below. You can find the links to our site as well as our Patreon, should you want to uh, support the podcast in any way just like and jamie had gotten to read the historical context you too could come on the podcast and do the same thing but if you want to do me a favor until next time guys stay nerdy <laughs>